And we're live. Welcome to live Facebook. Hey, welcome to Scale Up Heroes, where we bring the best minds with the best real-life experiences when it comes to scaling up businesses. These are the heroes that took on the difficult odds and are living to tell the tale of scaling up. I'm your host, Randy Cantrell. And to all of our viewers, we want to invite you to visit our website, scaleupacademy.io. Today, we're discussing scaling up marketing. And now I'd like to bring in our moderator for today's show, Jordy Tomas. He is the Chief Marketing Officer at Cultra. And I thank him and uh, all of our panelists for helping us with this conversation today. Take it away, Jordy. Okay. Thank you very much, Randy, first of all. And maybe uh, the first thing we can do uh, is, is to thank Scale-Up Academy. Thanks, uh, Randy, for hosting this event. And also the, the panelists, uh, Jennifer, Polia, and Gideon, for being here and sharing your thoughts uh, about scaling uh, marketing uh, with a very successful companies. Uh, maybe what, how we're going to start is uh, giving uh, from your side a, a brief description about uh, your job, your company, what are you doing to share with our audience. Please, uh, Fulvia, please, you can start. Me? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm a, my name's Folia Grace, and I'm the VP of Marketing at TalkDesk. Um, and TalkDesk is an enterprise cloud contact center platform. Um, we're known for providing really enterprise class service to customer service and sales teams, but doing it in a way that's um, very simple for them to run quickly. And we have about 1,400 customers around the world today and growing. Great. Fantastic. Uh, Jennifer, please. Yeah, hi, I'm Jen. I head up the marketing and communications department at World Sensing. Um, I joined the company about one and a half years ago. Uh, I was founded 10 years ago. And when I joined one and a half years ago, we were like 35. We're now about 90 employees, so we've grown quite a bit. Um, and what the company does, we are an industrial IoT company. So we provide wireless sensing to, uh, solutions and uh, software solutions to um, smart cities and industrial companies like mines, or construction companies, and it sounds a bit abstract, so I, I would like to give an example from the in, in, Internet of Things like that you may know about. So uh, like a smart home, if you have a smart fridge at home, uh, it may tell you you're out of milk, you're out of uh, veggies, and it tells you to go to the supermarket. So basically what smart devices do, they help, um, and smart technology does help companies and cities optimize their operations in real time. Okay, great, Jen. Gideon. Hi, hi, Jordy. Good. Hi. So uh, I had marketing for a company called, startup called the Travel Perk, where uh, we scaled from about 20 employees to touching 100 uh, in a little less than a year. Uh, we are here because uh, business travel, traveling for business the old way kind of uh, sucks. So we are on a mission <laughs> to fix business travel. And uh, we provide an all-in-one platform to book and plan and manage all your company's corporate travel in one single place. Um, we uh, have customers in different industries uh, all over the world today. And we take that complexity and basically make it uh, a simple, enjoyable and cost-saving experience for companies from small to medium to uh, big. This is what we do. Fantastic. Gideon. So let me introduce my, my, my company now. Uh, I'm the marketing director at, at Kultra. Kultra is a mobility, urban mobility uh, solutions company. 
mainly we are known, we are based in Barcelona and we are known by a scooter sharing uh, solution uh, that we have implemented here in Barcelona and also in Madrid, Lisbon uh, and Rome. Uh, scooter sharing is, uh, as you may know, it's car sharing like Car2Go, uh, Zipcar or uh, these kind of solutions, but with scooters. We uh, was born uh, 12 years ago as a company with uh, renting scooters and we are moving through the sustainable mobility using uh, the sharing economy and also the electric vehicles. All, all our scooters are, are electric. So thank you very much again for being here. And after, uh, after this introduction of all of us, I think it, it is interesting to, to start uh, answering some questions I prepared and to discuss uh, here. For instance, uh, about the marketing team, no? how you manage and how you... you, you you work with your, your team. Uh, I don't know, I, I opened the question, how uh, the marketing team is positioned, is positioned in, inside the company, in your companies? Uh, I can start. So uh, in um, marketing and sales work very closely uh, together at Travelperk. Uh, marketing is divided into two main parts, which is growth functions, mainly to generate demand, and the whole content telling the story, brand management side of the house. Um, and uh, it's being run as an independent department, not as like a part of sales, but uh, this, this is how it is. Um, we do mainly or only inside sales in the company. So uh, most of what we do is uh, online campaigns and content marketing, meaning building our inbound. Um, at the end of the day, our numbers are marketing qualified leads or how much demand we're able to bring, as well as other harder metrics that are helping us try and assess how well a job we're doing with brand awareness and becoming a bigger name. Okay, great. Some other opinions? Yeah, so at Word Sensing, we are like um, structured a bit differently. So marketing is a bit more of a strategic function. So the main objective is to build a strong corporate brand, but also the product brands in like the, we're in 50 different countries. And we work through a, a network of partners. So there's um, a strong objective to build the brand in the different markets. And of course, we want to enable sales to sell more. So we are focused on digital marketing as well. But I'd say it's like, um, I see it more as an enablement, but not like as a sales support, more or less what Gideon just said. But um, yeah, we are not um, directly associated to sales. We, we are more part of the core business at Word Sensing. Oh, great. So I, I, I'll, uh, I'll go next. Um, TalkDesk is a bit older uh, than, than I think some of the companies here. We've been around for... Um, six years. So uh, marketing is a strategic function. I report to the CEO and we have different parts of it, um, international. So in Europe and then in the US, uh, there's a function that's focused on content and sales enablement and ARPR. So all of the, the messaging and making sure we have good SEO, we spend a lot on um, inbound and content generation to, to uh, bring people to our website. And then we have a demand gen and we're, we're, we have digital, but we're actually not as focused on digital as events and partner channels. Mm -hmm. um, this particular industry uh, is 
is we're disrupting an existing industry and there's a lot of focus on the on the partner channels and on on we find we have better traction when we meet people in person through events and then we back that up with digital oh great because i i've seen in your profiles that uh, most of your activity in the in the three in the in your three companies is business to business no so it's uh, i i assume that digital uh, ho- or more or less what you have been talking fully fully how how digital helps you as a b2b company so it's very easy to understand how can help on a b2c company because everybody can imagine facebook can imagine instagram can imagine adwords these, these channels which are uh, focused on individuals but on a b2b companies like yours uh, how how you use this kind of, of digital strategy well most of B2B buyers do their research before they even get into a buying cycle. So they're online and they're researching and you need to have good SEO to come up when they look for, in our case, contact centers or contact center software. So that's the most basic thing. And then the AdWords, of course, bring you to the top of that. Um, but that's super competitive, honestly, in our industry and costs a lot of money. So um, that's why we spend a lot on the content to get organic search going. Um, and then I think in B2B, I've been in B2B my whole career, and certain companies do do well in Facebook. Um, we find LinkedIn to be a much better channel for us, and particularly since we can target the you know, specific titles that we want to go after. And we have the groups there that are part of our industry. So that's, those are our main digital focuses. Are you advertising on, on LinkedIn? Yes. And uh, LinkedIn ads is uh, performing well for you as compared to uh, Facebook? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I would say, uh, like I said, I've done B2B and other types of industries and it's, it varies. But for that's we've done testing, and that's what we're finding in our space. Mm-hmm. Great, fantastic. Any experience on on your digital approach? Um, yeah, I could. I just wanted to add because um, what Folia just said, we also like use loads of events <laughs> to to actually meet face to face with potential partners or end customers. We go to about 20 per year, which is a lot, and we we try to back up that strategy with the digital. Things we do, right, to um, create the content up front to generate interest, so people pre-book meetings, and then also try to recap the, the events we go to to be like a thought leader, bit, right, to be like, hey, we went there, that's what we saw, it's the next big, big thing in your industry. So I guess it's kind of building around um, meeting people face-to-face. Yeah. Our strategy is, uh, we do both, but our strategy, I would say, is like uh, uh, vice versa. We do go to events, uh, but we're mainly, mainly digital. So we're mainly focused on on growth channels that are digital, meaning Facebook has been working really, really good for us. Other stuff that was mentioned here, uh, were mentioned here uh, before. LinkedIn, I'm still trying to crack. It's hard. But, uh, but uh, yeah. And um, a lot of other things, uh, content that we produce a lot. In our case, the pain is huge. It's a $1.2 trillion market that is like unsolved. And everybody always when I speak on stage, I ask, do you like how you currently travel for business? Nobody raises their hand. It's uh, clear. So in order to like really, really tap into this pain, we try to produce a lot of content, a lot of activity around social media. 
and get in touch with people even before the stage that was mentioned before of actually searching for a solution like ours because it's an industry in the making. So I want to make, I want to meet people that have the pain, either admins or, tra <clears throat> or travelers. And in order to do that, we're trying to produce content, be funny, be educating, uh, give a lot of stuff out there. So we could start a discussion even with people that have the pain, but not, don't necessarily understand that a solution like ours already exists. And what's your main conversion goal? Like um, selling trials or like gen generating demos? Or what's your first step to engage prospects? So our, our uh, platform, uh, our business model is different than anybody else because we are free. It's not like freemium, it's actually free. Oh, okay. We are yeah. earning our money like other consumer travel tools from the commissions we get from the hotel or the airline mm -hmm. uh, or the car company. So um, we get people to just use us. We give them without any contract or commitment the opportunity to use the product. We try to do a good job in order to have a very high like uh, stickiness rate, which works like 91% stay as customers. Later, we have a premium offer that we could offer them uh, like a better SLA on support, enterprise features, integrations, stuff like that. But essentially, it's about uh, getting them to start use something that is free for them. Well, we are getting, you know, commissions for the th from the third-party vendors. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, talking about the, the inbound, inbound marketing, no? Mainly, Gideon? Uh, yeah, mainly. I mean, it's actually, a, right now I'm 50-50. But uh, when I look at my goals from a year from today, we have about 40% growth months over month. Mm -hmm. So I have no chance of meeting the numbers that we need to meet from a marketing legion perspective in a year. So I, my goal is to get to a place that I'm 80-20 towards inbound. Right now, it's closer to 50-50. I'm trying to get to 80-20. That has to do with writing a lot of content, developing more blogs, surveys, tools, assets, lead magnets, value. Because I know that in a year, if I don't get there, I won't be able to suffice with just going on hunting. Mm -hmm. oh, great. And about all these strategies, uh, Do you use internal teams uh, to develop this or, or, or mainly based in, in external agencies? Because the other day I was in a, in a meeting with agencies and they were very afraid because uh, 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 every day more and more uh, companies like us are internalizing all the services. And, be, and they said, well, they don't see the, the added value we provide to them, no? So what we can do, that was their, their question. And uh, about you and your case, what's the scenario? We do it all internal. All internal. <laughs> all internal, yeah. Um, I haven't had great uh, experience with agencies, but I think also we happen to be in Europe. Uh, we started in Portugal. So um, we do a lot of our design work there and I'm really lucky to have a large design team. And then we just have a couple of writers here in the US. Folia, give us some sense of your team, size and scope <laughs> of your team. Yeah, so um, there's about 12 people Uh, on the marketing team core, and then I have I have a design web uh, team in Portugal that's about 10 people. Sounds like a great size. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah. And uh, Jen, Gideon, your... because like, but in terms of uh, content creation, I think it's the biggest pain point for any marketer out there because. Like, um, it's hard to kind of educate 
an external agency to the point that you really understand your market and understand your clients, I think you always have to pull them into internal meetings and make them meet your internal experts. And there's a, if you really want an agency to work, you have to spend a lot of time like thinking with them and making sure they understand how you think, how you want to sound. It's, it's a challenge. So um, we are currently doing half-half. We found a really great um, agency in Barcelona who's helping with the content creation. But our long-term or mid-term uh, objective is to have it all in-house because our industries are so traditional and so technical that it's kind of hard to to educate like someone who doesn't has never spoken to a construction company or a, like a mayor of a city or a CEO of a city. So it's it's yeah. it's it's a bit it's a challenge. I'd say yeah. Yeah, it happens. It, it happened to us with social media. We tried to externalize the social media, and it was a complete uh, uh, mess because uh, oh. they didn't know about our company. We have to spend a lot of time sharing everything with them, a lot of meetings, and they were outside. And, and even if we spent a lot of time, the message was not exactly as if they were part of the company. Mm -hmm. So we decided. But in, in other strategies, I see it's, it's, different, it's very difficult, at least from my point of view, to find talent. I don't know. Well, you are based in Barcelona. Uh, of you, uh, and in Barcelona, the, the talent work is incredible. Uh, we, we, I'm struggling with, uh, first of all, I mean, to answer the previous question, we are about uh, six plus two external uh, employees, but the company is very biased towards in-house. Previous, I mean, our founder sold his previous company to Booking.com. They have it in their manifest, uh, biased towards uh, insourcing. And uh, we try to do the same. So uh, the, com the marketing will grow or almost double in the upcoming year, and uh, it'll be in-house. I think that I agree with the first uh, uh, comments uh, about uh, B2B being more biased towards in-source. I think that when B2B is less transactional, it's more about the accuracy of your message, understanding your personas, being very, very accurate Two almost similar campaigns could you know, outperform each other because of these things. And it's very hard to get that level of like, uh, you know, accuracy just by outsourcing. Usually it's not about efficiency and scale. It's about really delivering the message into copy, into design. The volumes are lower, the accuracy is higher. So I think that's why most B2B companies, successful ones that I know, eventually go in-house. Great. Great. Uh, we are used to be very KPI oriented in the in the marketing teams. So a lot of metrics, reports, uh, performance results. So uh, how do you boost the creativity of your teams? No, to make uh, I think one of the most important things of the of the teams, marketing teams, even if they are uh, performance uh, oriented teams, uh, is the creativity because. If not, everybody knows how to create a campaign in AdWords and everybody knows how to create a Facebook ad. And, and, and uh, what makes the difference is the creativity on doing this. No? How, how do you think we can boost our teams? In our case, we, I, try to get, I think that freedom is the word. Like uh, you discuss, The company culture is very flat and open. You have you know, people sitting on the sofas from different departments working with each other. And we try to like, discover people that want to do stuff and give them the ability to do it. So we have a sales development uh, representative that 
we discovered him as an amazing social media talent. He actually became a subject matter expert in what we do over the past like year. So we tried to like uh, take that and just let him run with it, giving him the tools. Same goes internally for people in marketing that do X, but suddenly we find them being able to write or having their own blog. Or So we try to identify talent or get ideas from people and try to let them run with it to the extent possible. Yeah, from from my experience, like at Word Sensing, it's more like I think we have to mature there as a company and and the marketing team to be very metric driven driven because where we're now, like there, there are so many ideas floating in around. Yeah. Like so many people come to us and they're like, why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? And I feel like we're more of a filter. So we're like, okay, let's get gather all the ideas, try to get everyone aligned, or make sure that ideas actually. Feasible, <laughs> and um, so so because I think it's also spirit of the company because it was founded by by four physicists who are very like I don't know if you if you've watched the movie Back to the Future, but the the professor who created that time machine <laughs> was remind, he reminds me of them because they're like always try to push like boundaries and invent new stuff and take it take it one step further and it's kind of like okay guys. Let's get back to earth and let's try to like put the messaging around this. But um, so I guess um, I guess when the company matures, you will also see that happening. That and you will you will know which ideas to pick, uh, what what kind of ideas to follow to to make a com campaign work. I guess. But I really like the idea of giving people freedom to express whatever they they think would be a good idea still down the road. So um, I guess uh, I, I, I agree with all of what the both of you have said. Um, the only thing else I would add is as you scale the teams, um, I, I always try to get a mix of talent on a team. I think marketing is uh, part creative, part storytelling, and definitely quantitative. So um, it's a mix of those talents on a team that you need. And then what I try to do is arrange brainstorming sessions. So bring people together periodically and say, okay, you know, next quarter or at this event, what, what creative ideas do we have? And bring people onto that brainstorming that may be in sales or in, um, in customer service, so in other departments. And then I've also, you know, take the time to uh, work with customers um, and have calls with them and get their ideas because they're the experts on what's appealing to them. So that, that's, a, that's a way to foster it, I guess. Okay, because uh, Folia, I've read something that you have written in, in LinkedIn about the strategy and details, that details matter also. And, yeah. how, uh, and I found it very interesting. And I would like to, because uh, it's something that happens, and I, I think not only in marketing, but also in all the departments in a company, but in this case in marketing, uh, how do you think that we can deal with this uh, challenge between being very strategic and being on the top of the, of the, the marketing and also uh, being uh, uh, over the details and uh, being very detail-specific to have the, the, the product uh, close, no? Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, I, I think I, I wrote that after a um, something got done in the company that, yeah, you know... 
you know, wasn't, <laughs> wasn't to, to my specifications. It, it, details do matter. And um, I think when you're small, uh, you know, I, I learned this early in my career, you need to lean on each other. So you can't edit your own work. You need to have people look at it. You need to get other opinions. So um, I never, I never post anything or um, send anything out before I have it before I have another set of eyes on it. That's, that's just a basic thing. But as you scale, it becomes, and we're a bit larger, as I said, you know, we're hitting that point here where we've got to have workflows in place because people were just, there's a volume of content that's going on, a volume of activities and everything that you do, a campaign has so many components. So I'm starting to put systems in place that allow us to, um, Let's say we're going to do a webinar. Here's how you do a webinar. Here's all the pieces that have to get done. You need the social media, you know, images. You need, you need, you need to follow up with the people that came to the webinar. The whole process, rinse and repeat, and make sure that we have a workflow um, that when we create the content for that, that someone checks it and that it's approved before it goes live. So. That, th those things you don't need when you're very small, but when you're very small, you need to make sure that you get a second, a second set of eyes on what you do, is my opinion. Okay. Any other opinion on this? What about you, Jordy? Well, yeah, good point. <laughs> thank you, Randy. Uh, I was very comfortable asking. Uh, no. It's very difficult for me because I'm not detail. Uh, I'm not a detailed person. I'm more strategic, and I know this is not good. So this is why when I read this, I thought that uh, well, this is a very good question. And and at last, uh, when you do something, uh, it's very important to do it on a strategic level. But then you need to implement this. And the difference, the, the what makes the difference on a good result or a bad result, are the details. So. What I do on this case is I have uh, a team that is very detailed and is very <laughs> focused on details and they help me and, and without them I will be uh, completely dead because they are, the, they, uh, uh, are my, my detailed part. So uh, this is how I solve these this points. What about the creativity part, the thing that you ask the panelists? What about in culture? Uh, well, in Kutra, also very similar what uh, the rest of the panelists said. Uh, we give freedom uh, to do whatever they want on a creative point of view. So giving all uh, to us all the ideas uh, they want. Then we put all these ideas. We see how if the, that idea doesn't cost money, we try to put in practice. If it costs money, then we evaluate uh, better and see which is the investment. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, we are a small company. Well, we are not so small, but uh, our budget is small. So we need to take care of, of where invest our money. And of course, if it costs, not cost money, we try everything with, uh, we, uh, with freedom to try everything. If it costs money, if we can do a small test, we do a small test. If not, then we, we, we see how we can and which is the return of, the, of that investment. I got a question for everybody. Sorry to hijack you here real quick, Jordy, but I'm, I'm curious about this whole creativity conversation that you've been, you've been sharing your, your company culture. I'm curious, 
I'll start with Jordy. How does your company culture impact that freedom or that flexibility, or we'll just call it that creativity? Well, I think, uh, so we have, uh, we are a company that we have uh, shops also on the marketing point of view. It's, uh, we have a close team. We are, uh, I have all the team here in Barcelona. We are all on the same room. So we share all the, all the, all the, all the things we thought, all the thoughts of the, of the, mar- of the department are shared in the team and the creativity. And this, this is one of the things that help us on, on, on this quick growing. And on the other side, on the, this creativity along all the company, uh, it's important because we have shops in several cities, uh, shops where we rent scooters also. And we have given this freedom to all the shop managers to, to, to act as uh, directors of their own shop, even if they are part of the company, they are not uh, uh, external uh, shops, but are our own shops. And we give the, the freedom to them also to be creative on getting their own customers and don't expect only customers from marketing or from uh, sales or from what we call sales kitting team, okay? <laughs> Jen? Yeah, basically. Um, so what I found is that it helps to like in the team have someone own a project and then present it to the others and then brainstorm together. And then once the team has like great, generated great ideas, run it by sales, see what they think. Maybe they can run it by a partner, see what the customer might think about it. So that really works. And as and part of the, as related to the company culture, it's like, because we've been growing so quickly over the last like years. Um, I feel there's a lot of freedom to express yourself. And um, we changed offices like a year ago and I was in charge of um, branding the new office. And it was so much fun, you know, because I've never worked with, with an architect to, to come up with the design and stuff and like bring the brand to life in the office. So I thought it was like something that was really beneficial for me because it was just such a great experience. And um, and now people are surrounded by this. <laughs> I don't know if they all like it, but I love it. <laughs> so, and it's kind of, I think it influences how people work because they kind of see like the values of the company and the brand and different, like on, on their cups, coffee mugs and stuff. So it's, it's, it's nice. I think it's a good culture to, to express yourself. Good. Folia? Um, you know, I think we, our culture is about risk-taking to some extent, um, not to the point of breaking uh, everything, but, uh, you know, we have to be willing to uh, try things and sometimes fail. And that's, so that's part of the culture. Um, and I think we're, you know, our CEO is very aggressive, <laughs> if you will. I mean, uh, and he wants to push the boundaries. So, um, we have done some things that, uh, you know, even surprised me in terms of, hey, that's, that's a big bet, but let's do it. That's good. Gideon? Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff that, we, that were said, but mainly it's being guided by company culture. The company culture is very, very strong, so it goes across departments. Uh, we're very flat, so um, there aren't a lot of hierarchies. We try to maintain that as much as possible, but as we grow, obviously that has to change a little bit. But as much as we can, we try to stay flat. Um, ownership is super important. We put a lot of emphasis on the ownership, so people are owners of what they do. 
and they take the responsibility and creativity, you know, uh, even when they go home. And I think we put a lot of emphasis in order to continue that culture on the recruiting process. We have a recruiting process that reminds me more of Google than a company that is so small like us. So for any position, like even an intern, you will meet like five people that you will be here like three times. There are tests that we put together. We have like five people voting. We take it extremely seriously. So we can bring and the CEO at the end interviews a cultural interview of everyone from a VP to an intern just in order to make sure that culturally everybody fits that bill so we can maintain that as much as we can as the company scales. I wanted to ask Gideon, is your um, CEO the founder of the company? Yes. So I, yeah, and, and, and for you, in your case, is he also the... Yes. Yeah, in my case too, I think I find that they really try to preserve the initial culture of their company. So I think it really helps to build a strong, positive culture in a company if you have the luck to, to work with a yeah. founder. Yeah. All right, since it's culture, I'm going to hand the handlebars back to you, Jordy. <laughs> I'll start to say the steering wheel, but since you're a scooter company, I'll give you the handlebars back. <laughs> Okay, thank you. No, I have an, another another uh, question um, on the international point of view. How do you deal with, uh, for instance, all of you, even if you are based, uh, two of you are based in Barcelona, Folia, you are in, in the United States, but all of you have a business in other countries or at least customers, and you are trying to get new customers in other countries, not only in the country where are you based. I don't know. I think you don't have... Maybe you follow a yes, but I've seen in your uh, website that the rest, your offices are in one city and you uh, do the marketing for all the countries. How complicated it is, and mainly in Europe with several languages, no? Yeah. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I, I'm, I, I'll hand over to Fulia. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. You can go. You can go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> no, I just wanted to say um, that we are focusing on English right now, but we are actually a Spanish company, so we get that question a lot. Why don't we have a Spanish website? Why don't we have a French website? But then you all know how hard it is to build an inbound engine just with one language. So, um, so we try to like tell people, listen, we're gonna build this in English, and as soon as this is up and running, we're gonna add Spanish for sure and go from there. But You just need at least one person to maintain the web. If it's another web, uh, in another language, then you need like someone to translate all that content you generate and review all that content you generate. It's like, it's a huge amount of work. So I think, um, and that's, what, that's also dangerous as a scale up. Like you don't want to lose focus. So I think the best advice is probably to just start with one and try to do as good as you can and then move on from there. Definitely. So, and, and we're in the same place, even though the company actually started in Portugal, we do all of our marketing, most of it in English. And then this year um, in Portugal, we're mainly trying to do recruiting and of course in sales. So we do have um, some PR that we do in Portugal and then for, and then in, in the UK, but we get the same question Um you know, why, why aren't we in France and uh, why aren't we in Spanish? And I, I've lived this at another company that I scaled up. And, it, you know, I know for us, it's not, it's not right. It's not the right time yet 
for the reason you said, it's just, you know, we need to get to a certain level of revenue and a certain number of people that we can hire uh, on the ground. Because even if you're doing marketing, if you don't have the salespeople and the support people in those countries, um, it's not going to uh, help you. Um, but so we s tend to sell to businesses that operate globally, um, but they're mainly in the UK, US um, and uh, and Portugal because we have offices there and, and we're starting to go into other countries but the first thing is to get salespeople there, get customers then to follow on with marketing Okay We really have no choice because we're a business travel company so uh, uh, we are, we are and, and we're focused on Europe so uh, we, we started in English but uh, the company is growing faster than, than, than expected which is uh, what, what, what's kind of guiding us right now uh, so we are going in, we, we, we are dividing our customer support team and our sales team into um, different regions and we are already working on localizing everything from the product to the marketing. Now that would be to an extent, meaning uh, I won't be able to translate, for example, the entire blog with two, three new posts every week to five languages. So, uh, but I will be able to do that with the bigger assets like ebooks and stuff like that. I will be able to do that with the marketing website and with the main sales enablement assets that support the different uh, regional teams. So uh, we try to define different tiers of must have in order to sell, the must have in order to have like the core marketing assets and website in place. And then the rest of the things that uh, will be in one language and maybe in the future in another language or two, depending on our market, you know, uh, penetration. Okay, before Randy asks, I will explain uh, how we work on this. Uh, <laughs> since we have, since we have customers, uh, well, depends on the business, on the sharing. Since we are in three countries, we need to, and it's a local service with the scooters in the in the city, and the users are local. We need to create the content and all the website, all the application in the language of the, the country. So we have in Spanish, in Catalan, in uh, Italian, Portuguese, and also in a common one, which is English. So we need to do, uh, because if not, our customers will not feel comfortable using an application uh, in Bar Barcelona, which is mm -hmm. only in English. So it's not a, a big. And also for the, 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 season, the, the vacational business, the rental, uh, since our customers come from all over the world, we need to, and we mainly use uh, AdWords and Facebook ads, we need to create these ads in the specific language of the customer. So we, we, uh, we are in a, in a big uh, problem every time we need to change ads or to change things because we need to start translating, and not only translating, but also uh, lo locating because it's not only... Uh, translate the word, but understand which is the best word to use in that uh, market. So, but I'd say it's much more doable today than like ten years ago. Meaning, uh, okay. I mean, I remember the same challenge <laughs> from ten years ago, and it's like uh, you could almost be everywhere, right? You could work remotely. You could uh, hire different levels of PR consultants or companies in different places. There is so much you could do, uh, uh, and also people move more easily. So we have. People from about uh, 40 countries almost, and we're like uh, almost 100 people. It's fun. We were in Barcelona. It's a fun place to relocate to. But, uh, <laughs> but, but still, it's more doable than before. Yeah, you're right. Uh, okay, Randy, uh, from my side, I don't have more questions. Just two thanks 
you all for sharing and uh, uh, I give you back the yeah, no, we appreciate it. We appreciate everybody taking the time. We, we especially appreciate the audience for, uh, if you're watching this live at Facebook, you can join us every Monday for an episode of Scale Up Heroes. Or if you're watching the replay, thanks. Uh, if you want to leave us a comment, uh, we're, we're, we're happy to have your input on topics or, or subject matter experts that, that you think would benefit the show. Special thank, up, thank you to all of you guys uh, and to you, Jordy, for helping today visit our website at scaleupacademy.io you can learn more about us and what we do and if you find these shows valuable yeah we hope hit that like button uh, and share today's show i'm your host randy cantrell i hope that you'll join us next week when we plan to talk about scaling sales thanks thank, thank you, you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye.